This is a HeadGum Podcast. Come in. Hey, man, I'm sorry I'm late. The train's Shut up! You're here! And good thing, because we've got lots of work. Lazarus, the talk show featuring unforgettable guests with incredible jobs. And now, here's my boss and your host, Katie Lazarus. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Employee of the Month. I'm your host, Katie Lazarus. And if it's your first time tuning in, Employee of the Month is all about um, careers and work and jobs and the people who have these careers. And I can think of no better example of someone with a fascinating career than the one and only Susan Laurie Parks. Um, she is a Tony uh, Pulitzer and Genius Grant winner, although I can't understand why they give geniuses grants. Like, we need them. But she got it. And when you hear our interview, you'll have a hint as to why. Um, she is a brilliant playwright and novelist and screenwriter and the mastermind behind Top Dog, Underdog, and Father Comes Home from the Wars, Parts 1, 2, and 3, which is currently at the Mark Taper Forum if you're in Los Angeles. And the Signature Theater just named her their Residency One Playwright. So she is branching out from the public theater, which considers her... Um, I think one of their greatest living playwrights. Um, and she also plays music. Yeah, it sounds kind of fun. I agree. So let me stop talking so you can actually listen to our interview. Enjoy it. Thank you, Susan Laurie Parks. I'm very excited. The Father Comes Home from the Wars is, um, I'd say, your latest play that's out right now? It's running right now at Center Theater Group, uh, Mark Taper Forum in L.A., right now. So if you can get a plane ticket, um, it's getting rave reviews in Los Angeles as, as we speak. Um, I had a, a question about it because um, it's set during the Civil War, and you do an exceptional job of um, looking at multiple experiences of, yes. of people who are black during that time. Yes. And um, at and the same time... people who are not black. And not I black as well. White. We finished. can say it. We can say it. White. We'll say it like, yeah, no, like it's a disease. Um, and at the same time, you like interweave this sort of like cultural, current cultural phenomena. You know, you'll have like True Dad and Oh Snap. And you have Crocs and Timberlands. And I was just curious because like the less desirable slaves, they have Timberlands on. And the old man has Crocs. Do you, right. do you see Crocs as more desirable? Than, than, than Timberland. Than, yeah. Than, not Timberland. It's very desirable. Um, no, um, then, no, no, I didn't do the clothes. See, I just write the words. <laughs> I write the words, and then, and then we, what do you call it? We um, share. Yeah, costume design, we share. So Isosa, who's a brilliant, brilliant costume designer, uh, he did Top Dog Underdog, which was his first professional costuming on theater oh, for wow. a theater show job. Yeah, so he did the clothes. So we, we hand it off, and it's an act of faith. You know, I make sure every word in here is as good as it can get, and then we hand it off. You know, if you were a costume designer, we'd say, so, you know, design. And you do your magic like that. So we depend on the community to make it work. So I can't say anything about the shoes. I, I mean, I... One of the things I do Except like, they're though... they're great. They're great. They're great. Even Crocs. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, We can yeah. agree to disagree about Crocs. <laughs> He's an old... This guy, the character... They look great know. on the no, character. Yo, yo, they're yo, right the there. Character, the character... Oh, oh. The character 
is a man who's so old, like he's just really, really old. And you know, there he goes with his Crocs. Because the play mixes uh, contemporary elements with historical elements. So, and in the language, the language does that, the set design does that, the costumes do that, every element of the play does that. And look how pretty they are up there, hi. And the questions that are asked, like you have a, you know, a black slave who um, is, is willing to work for the Confederacy in right. exchange for potential freedom. Right. And then the whole play, as an, I'm not a you know, dramaturg or, or, no, or a theater critic, but, but I got such a, um, it, it was the painful quandary about what equals freedom. Right. Um, that's what I took out of it. Was that what I was supposed to take out of it? <laughs> And Again, it you enjoy we it. write the words, and we make sure that every word is as good as it can be, and then we hand off <laughs> the meaning well to the audience. <laughs> I don't write the meaning; I just write the words. Yeah. So whatever you think, that's all it. Okay, good. I got it good right. Good job. I mean, you were thinking in this yeah. day and age. That's like <laughs> standing ovation. That's all you I had made. thoughts about something, right? It's very, it's it's uh, it's awesome because I, I really don't. You know, when I write the play, I, I don't think about, I'm hoping that every single person is going to get such and such out yeah. of it, you know. What yeah. do you get out of it? Joy. Joy. I watched it, um, I just saw it, we opened the show uh, a week and a half ago or so in L.A., and the audiences, um, i got to say, New York audiences are great, L.A. audiences are astounding because they laugh at every ba every goofy joke that I put in here. They're laughing. And again, it's a play about slavery. So like, you know, New Yorkers are like, it's about slavery. I'm not going to laugh. <laughs> not even if we have a, well, when we had the furry dog on stage, people yeah. laughed. But the talking dog. The, yeah, the talking furry dog. Oh, he's not in that shot. Yeah. You can't see him. But, um, but New York audiences are like, talking furry dog. Okay, I guess it's time to laugh now. And they laughed, and it was lovely. But LA audiences, I think that because they're so, they're so, I don't know. I mean, I used to live in LA. They're so lonesome. <laughs> you get out of your house, you know. And again, I was talking. You know, if you're of, if you don't have the means to buy a car, you ride the bus. But if yeah. you do have the means to buy a car, then you're going to be in your car. And you get out of your house, and you sit in your car, and you go to your job, and you don't, you know. Rub yeah, anything on top of everyone. Yeah, time. sweating over somebody yeah. on the subway or whatever. It. Yeah, right. You know, so you're lonesome. So you go to the theater and you're lonesome, and you're so happy to see something living that it's not television. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like, oh my god, I love those audiences out there, and you know, I hope they find happiness. But it joy to me. Have you ever ha had an experience, though, because, this I mean... It's for you. It's, it's very I much. put it in a gift bag That's or anything, okay. but I just... Um, but, you know, part of the thing of... We can, we can keep it out if you no, want. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but, but part of the way that a playwright makes, makes money <laughs> is... Um, part of the way a playwright makes money is, is having productions of your work. Yes. And do you have a policy? Like, I, I can't imagine if you have, like, tons of high school and college productions and regional theater productions that you're going to be excited to go to all of them. There may be some that you didn't love. They um, might ask for your uh, feedback. Um, um, is this resonating at all? Yes, it's resonating a lot. Um, several years ago, in 2006, maybe, I can't remember. Anyway, I wrote a play a day for a whole year. And we did, it all, we did the plays all over the world. So it was called 365 Days, 365 Plays. And I wrote a play day for a whole year, and then my friend Bonnie Metzger and I and a couple other folks, we got together and we produced the plays all over the world. New York, 
Seattle, Chicago, Beijing, Joburg, Berlin, you name it. 365 plays. I'm just going to reiterate it. It's something you do often. A play a day. You just sit down. I mean, well, yeah, you sit down and you just, you see what happens. And anyway, so I did that every day for a year. But then we produced them. And so we had productions of my plays going on all over. In professional companies, non-professional companies, high schools, we had a whole contention of, of high school students. We called it 365 High, and they did all the plays for a whole year. The, the whole, you know, so many people around the world. How many of them were stoned while they were doing it? Well, I, I don't, I don't ask. This no. could, don't ask, don't tell. I mean, I don't know. It was, it was moving what they yeah. produced, though. So maybe they, well, I don't. Anyway, um, still be moving. Can you how, can you get arrested a dime bag? I, I had someone explain to me once what a, recently what a dime bag was because the ru- rules have changed. So I just wanted to know. Anyway, um, <laughs> they, all over the world, and we went so, to some of them, but yeah. certainly not all of them. I just didn't know. Also, you know, if, do people come and ask you to look at the plays, and what happens if you don't like the yeah, production yeah, 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 of your yeah, play? Yeah, I rarely go. Okay. To be honest, that's the long way of saying I rarely go. Yeah. I rarely, hardly ever, never, never go. <laughs> I went to L.A. because Joe Bonney, who's the awesome director who directed the world premiere here at the Public Theater in the Ansbacher. Yay, Joe Bonney. She's amazing and brilliant and Australian. So, yeah. And, and she directed it, and she's directing it out in L.A. right now. So I went to support her and to support the Center Theater Group and Mike Ritchie. Who, they're doing great work out there. So. Yeah. So, um, you had so much um, duly deserved, but you had so much um, press from the, the get-go, and I, it, it it's obviously can buoy you at times, but right. it also can prime one um, to sort of hunger for it and at the same time distract, um, for lack of a better word. Um, yeah. That's yeah. H- how did you? Um, what is your approach to taking in? You know, I mean, you've had books written about you. Um, including I, a casework. That I'm so glad. Oh, case book. There, I didn't know if that oh, was for boyfriends or something. That. But, look at, okay. <laughs> um, but you know, I mean. Wow. Oh, gee, look. See, I could read that book by Jennifer Larson, and I could understand Susan Laurie Parks. <laughs> so that's my question. Like, do you look, really feel like if you I read really those? do that? <laughs> and I, yeah. Look at that. Oh, oh, wow. Look at that. How about that? I haven't read these. I'm so glad. Now, this is the thing. Uh, so scholars, um, you know, they're brilliant and they have many degrees or this, these deep insights to things and I, I don't read them. It's right. like, you know, I mean, I know you don't do this, yeah. but have you ever looked in the mirror like for a while? I mean, you don't want to do that, right? Yeah. Yeah. You'd go nuts and you start hearing things. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it didn't stop you from being prolific. Um, it didn't stop you from being prolific so by, any, by any means, but I, I was just curious if, if you have an approach. Some people will say they don't want to hear the positive criticism or the negative criticism right, right, because right. it cancels it out, but I kind of... Tennessee Williams said something like that. The good review is as detrimental as the bad review. He said something uh, much more eloquently than that, but, and I think he's right, you know, um, it can trip you up either way. You can hear that you're the best thing since sliced bread and like, <laughs> you know, that it might make the next thing difficult. And you can hear that you're the worst thing since, you know, poo-poo. Yeah. And I have a four and a half year old, so it's very like poo-poo, pee-pee. <laughs> I have a new, I mean, anyway, talk about jobs. My, one of my jobs is I'm the 
butt wiper of a four and a half year old. It's, and they tell me that by the time he goes to kindergarten, he's going to have to learn to do it himself. Yeah. <laughs> so we're in that phase now. <laughs> I don't know if I want him to do it himself just yet. You really? You want to hold on to that? No, I don't want to hold on to it longer than September, but there's a lot of laundry to be done if it's not. Anyway. Sorry, I'm sorry. This isn't what we Think discussed. Think about it. It's you laundry. have, you it's, have, you have things it's laundry there. No, this versus, well, hold on. It's laundry versus therapy bills. No, I'll let go. I'm gonna let go. As, as long, you know, I'll just say, just stop calling me, the mommy. Come on. Um, I'm sorry, but you said so. Oh, but so, so you, these things can go to your head. You know, if you're reading your reviews constantly, they can go to your head. If you're listening to what people say about you, it can go to your head. Well, I also so, meant in yeah. your particular case, there was so much emphasis on how important it was that it wasn't just that you won a Pulitzer. You're the first African-American woman um, to win a Pulitzer in drama. You know, there were so many... <laughs> held on. And I, I feel like there are moments when I, I hope that you can take it in. I was, had read that James Baldwin, when he was your, your teacher, had said... Um, that you may become one of the most valuable artists of our time. Um, and I wanted to find out if, if you, if that buoyed you when you were young, how yes. did that feel when, when you said that? It did, it did, it did. Um, yeah, he, I have the, he wrote a, I, I took a class with him at Hampshire College. I went to Mount Holyoke College. And I took a class with James Baldwin. Oh, Mount Holyoke, Mount Holyoke. Hampshire, Hampshire. I took, and I took a class with him at Hampshire College. And... It was a short story writing class. It was apparently the first class he'd ever taught. And he said, uh, you don't give, a, at that time anyway, you didn't give grades at Hampshire. You wrote little notes to the students. Like, I know, right? Like <laughs> notes, like, you're wonderful, good luck. I mean, I don't know what you get. But he wrote this, you know, uh, whatever, an astonishing something, something, maybe the man Encouraging you to be a playwright? Encouraged me to be a playwright. I took the letter he wrote, the note, and, and it's framed in my office. Um, but I didn't look at it. I got the letter in the 80s when he was living. I didn't look at it for years afterwards. I didn't stare at it. I folded it up very nicely and put it in my drawer and actually forgot about it. I wanted to hear... And did so the work. That's the yes. thing. You, can, you, know, you, you can't be obsessing about, like, oh, James Baldwin wrote me a letter. I mean, yeah. Who cares? Um, I did want to ask about, like, being in Germany for a long time, I was one, curious, like, uh, growing up, I, can I call you an, I don't know if army brat is the right word. Yes. But, That's okay. Are, um, any, are there any army brats? No. Do we, does anybody know anybody in the service? Let's say that. Uh-huh. Oh, good. Good. Anybody? Yeah. <laughs> but Just I wanted gapping. to hear, yeah. like, how that, if it shaped your view of race relations in the U.S., or, and if so, how? Uh, being an army brat and being traveling. Being in Germany, all, actually. Uh, being, yeah. oh. That's interesting. I, I got to give a shout out to my fiance, Christian Knopka, who's German. Um, so yeah, it did, it, did, it did shape my view of race relations. <laughs> my parents, uh, when, I was in, when we were in Germany, my parents had this wonderful idea. Um, and they were very sort of by the book, strict, I suppose. Um, not unpleasantly so, but just, you know, old school, you could say. And they had this wonderful idea to send the kids, us kids, to German school. German school, Gesamtschule, Oberosel, is where I went. We, they only spoke German in the school, and they thought it would be wonderful for us to learn uh, the culture. Instead of living on the base with the other Americans, they wanted us to be out there. We lived in a house that was far from the base, and we went to German school, and I became fluent in German, which was handy when I met Christian, because now we have a secret 
what we think of as a secret language, which is spoken by millions of people I know, but... <laughs> but it feels secretive. A, yeah, but did it teach me something about race relations? Um, you know, I also lived in Vermont before that, you know, um, people... I can't imagine that offering much insight into well, race relations. Well, 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 <laughs> you know, people would come up to you and pet you. Oh, oh, wow. Uh, you know, well, yeah. So that does yes, offer some insight into race relations. Yes, We've never <laughs> seen one of you before. Can we pet you? <laughs> wow. You know, interesting. I mean, I was like, you're telling me about yourself. Yes. You know, so what it taught me, my parents used to say, you are the ambassador of your race because we would live in places where people had never seen black people. And this was before MTV and the internet and all that. So the only way you're going to see anybody, you know, moving was like, I mean, Roots wasn't out even. So people were like, you know, you are the ambassador of your race. Back in the day, that meant that there were a lot of folks out there who have never seen a black person. So they're going to take the example off of you. You're the one that wow. is going to stand for a million to them. They will base their opinions on us because of you. Now, I take it to mean, when I think of I am the ambassador of my race, I take it to mean the human race. Yeah. And I am willing, because I know the aliens are among us, mm -hmm. and I am willing to shine as an example of who we are and what we do. Yeah. Beautiful. And you went to India for a while? I did. I didn't get these tattoos in India, but they're Sanskrit. <laughs> I did. I went to India because I, I uh, first I went for the State Department um, as a cultural ambassador, and then I went because I am a devotee of Ashtanga Yoga. And so I went. You know, a lot of people are like, yeah, we get up at four in the morning and practice for two really? hours. And the I used to before my son had to be taken to school. He doesn't walk by himself. I don't have Another a child, and there is no and or a day job, and there is no way I would wake up at four. But I'm a morning. To do I'm a morning person. That's beyond morning person. But like, I'm a morning person. I've always been a morning person. That's a night person. Yeah, it's a night person. Yeah. It's a night yeah. person. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird, right? But it's so beautiful. The world is so. New. Well, it's yours. At, at 4 a.m. You can own it. <laughs> you walk down the streets of New York saying, yes, I own this. I own this. You know, that is and really you're cool. just a renter in a little apartment, you know, but you're like, yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, so I went uh, into, to Mysore, India, where um, Guruji at the time was living. He's since passed away, but would study for hours and hours. And the writing practice is so much like that, really. Writing every day is a similar kind just, of discipline. You just show up. Yeah. One, one thing you said about um, humor, I, I hate analyzing humor, except I loved what you said because I often feel like people pathologize it. And this is from, um, I think it's an essay you had written. Um, it was, uh, you know, sort of taking off the title of Strunk and White, but I just loved how you didn't pathologize it. I come from a background in clinical psych where it was seen as a coping mechanism, as deflecting. Huh. And um, I love that you saw that actually it's a way of... of encapsulating all of the nuance and messiness. Um, Playwright should pack all five, all six, all seven senses. I think they've expanded that. The six helps you feel another's pulse a great distance. Will you read it into the I'm microphone? Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just if reading. If you're going to read? Like, oh, you can yeah. here. I'm sorry. You don't have, oh, to, read the, you don't have to read the whole thing, but will oh, you read which, till... which part would you like me to read? Um, I'd like to, you know, help. Um, you can... You... I'm not the help, though, don't. I think um, from laughter is very powerful. I'm sorry. Laughter is very powerful. 
It's not a way of escaping anything, but a way of arriving on the scene. Think about laughter and what happens to your body. It's almost the same thing that happens to you when you throw up. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, I wanted to just show a, a quick clip from um, one of your first films, I believe, um, Girl Six. This is the first um, screenplay that I know of that you that you wrote. The first feature, yeah, 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 first feature feature. Uh um, that um, Spike Lee directed. Yeah. So I'm just gonna show. We'll show a little clip. This is great. And songs by Prince, including Erotic City. (laughs) Wow. Hold on, Some people hold on, call me. Hold on a minute. We're looking, you know, we're, we're looking for uh, uh, the beauty of Halle Berry. Uh, well, first things first. Um, uh, stand up. You, uh, we just uh, unbutton your blouse so we can see your breast. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes, it's required of the role. Can you do it or not? It's cool. It's cool. Everything's cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Uh, that's nice. I can't do this. You can't do this. So what the hell's going on here? What is happening? I'm bringing the next actor in here, and she better fucking know what. I would have told you you would have never went. You showed him your tits? So what? You, maybe somebody could do better, but it's not working out. It's not worth it for me, okay? Peace. Out. Oh, where the talk is always hot and cheap. The co- mm-hmm. Excuse okay. me, I'm here. Guys, how you doing? I'm just fine, thank you. How are you doing? Can't promise you anything, but I'll put in a good word, okay? Suit yourself, okay? Some comes up, I'll give you a ring. Okay. Mm. Nice meeting Take you. Oh, so you um, you own this place? Yeah. You like it? Oh, yes, it's, it's lovely. Can I hold your puppy? Hi, you need a puppy. Guys call us up and they tell us what they want. You dig? I do. I can do this. Mm-hmm. I can see myself just working it. <laughs> Madonna telling you. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. Job. So do you? Yeah. Do you do a lot of screenplays still? I do. I'm. I'm right now. I'm uh, writing something for Amazon. I'm also writing a. Yeah, did anybody see that movie? There it goes. It's back. Did anybody see the uh, movie years ago? The harder they come. That movie with Jimmy Cliff. Yeah. So coming soon to a theater near you. It's going to be a musical, and I'm, I'm writing the book, and uh, we're so, so excited. But I'm also, yeah, it's something for Amazon for the, you know, TV, Amazon TV. Yeah. So do a lot of that. Still, still love it. Actually enjoy it. That's great. Because it's writing. It's all writing. It's all, you know. Yeah, and you yeah. make money. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, plays make money, too. It's all good. Some plays make money. Your yes. plays well, make yes. money. Yes, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Important to keep that distinguishment there. Um, I do, I would love to um, get a chance to hear you um, play music, if that, if that is possible. I'm just assuming that I'm going to be in tune. This is uh, Your Love to Love Me, and uh, you guys are great. Let's see. I'll sew. That's right. 
just want your love to love me. That's it for this episode. Thank you to Brain Pickings for um, contributing to Employee of the Month show. You can go on to employeeofthemonthshow.com to find out how you can also get involved. You can donate. You can nominate someone. I want to thank Nick Rad and HeadGum for putting this together. And thanks to all of you for listening. And come out if you're here Thursday, May 19th in New York, season finale. Hope to see you there. At Katie Lazarus to follow for updates. It's going to be Patty Lapone, Titus Burgess, Brian Kopelman, and hopefully you. Talk to you soon. Burn the skin so fair That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>